Okay, um, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 6, uh, 11 through 13. I'm going to read it to you and just a few comments I'd like to share with you this afternoon. So if you want to follow along, it's again 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 13. And I'll be reading from the uh, New English Version. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts also. Um, Matt has already pointed this to some of the verses that's going to follow these particular three verses. And, and in many ways, it may be thought of that these three verses are simply serving as a bridge from chapter 6 into chapter 7. And matter of fact, some of the very words that are within these three verses we have just read will appear uh, within the first few verses of chapter 7. But I have come to discover, for at least for myself, that it's, it's much more than just a bridge between two parts of this letter. I have seen in these three verses Paul's tenderness and his enduring love for the people of Corinth. And in spite, and we have a record of it as we've already read through the earlier chapters, we have a record of their rejection of his instruction, uh, the questioning of his motives, uh, doubting his word, and even discounting the truth of the gospel and how that must have weighed heavy upon the apostle's heart. But these three verses reveal an unwavering commitment of the apostle to give all that he has. Everything about him is invested in the love that he has for them, the love for the gospel, and putting it together, trying to love them all into the kingdom of God. I also believe that these three verses give us a, a, a real good um, example of what, it, what makes up the heart of a pastor, a pastor who loves the people that the Lord has entrusted to, to him for their spiritual guidance and for their care. Uh, we are seeing a glimpse of Pastor Paul's heart here. Paul writes, uh, we have spoken freely to you. What has, what has, I guess, unfolded before us, not only in this letter, but also in 1 Corinthians, is Paul and uh, his associates, as uh, this letter indicates, is a company uh, addressing Corinth. They have been very direct. They have been open. They have uh, not shaded the truth in, in any regards. And it, it, it's an indication that there is a great relationship that Paul at least himself senses between himself and the people of Corinth. It's a fact that you and I are going to be much more open and much more transparent and much more direct, direct in our conversations with the people that we know and that we love than if we were conversing with someone that uh, could be a stranger or just simply a, a, distance, a distant acquaintance. And so Paul is talking to people that he loves and he knows, and I assure you that he knows them well. He knew their strengths. He knew their weaknesses, their successes, and their failures. He knew their fickleness, and he knew their faithlessness. The personal shade of this letter the fact that he knows everything about them is the fact that he addresses them by name. 
he says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. That's significant that he would insert in this letter an identity with whom the letter is directed. Um, if you get a letter from someone um, and, and it begins greetings, and you read the letter and it ends sincerely, that letter isn't going to carry as much of the personal tone than a letter that you would open and say, for example, Dear Ron or Dear Jan. Uh, and then as you read through the letter, again, there's a reference to you. Oh, by the way, Ron, or by the way, Jan. Um, and then it concludes with affectionate love. That resonates with you as being very personal. And for Paul to insert just the name of the, the church in this letter indicates that it's specifically for them. Um, another, I, I guess, extension of that, of why this letter would be so personal or seen as so personal, might be the example of me going to my mailbox. Uh, and if I was in New Zealand, I'd be going to my letterbox. And I retrieve uh, my mail. And I begin sorting through it. And I see the first letter is to the occupant. The next one is to the current resident. And I see the next one's to Mr. and Mrs. Ronald P. Thomas. And then I see the next one, Ron and Jan Thomas. Now, which letter do you think possesses more of the personal tone that awaits for me as I open it and read it? Well, Paul is using this identity of just calling them out by name, that this is a, this is a personal letter to them, nothing hidden, wide open, going to be uh, dealing with all the matters that are close to his heart. These three verses also reflect the depth of Paul's love, likened to the love a parent has for a child. And oh, you and I both know the extremes we go to show our children how much we really love them. And that's what Paul has done. The sacrifice that Paul has made on behalf of the Corinthians, and larger than that, for all the churches that, that he has fostered in his, his missionary journeys, as he is embracing the love he has for the gospel. He has paid great, made great sacrifices for the promotion of this truth that he has found in Christ. And if you remember yesterday, Pastor Matt referred to some of these as we read back in chapter 6. What pained Paul the most, and it's revealed in these three verses, was the apparent lack of response to his love for them, his children. I believe one of the greatest pains a parent can ever endure is the rejection of their love that they have for their child being buffeted or refused by the child themselves. When all you've always wanted was the best for them, you've poured out your heart, your soul, you provided everything that you know that they need. You've taught them what you know is best. You've picked them up when they've stumbled. You have forgiven them. You've not given up on them. You have remained faithful to them. And everything that you have hoped for them, they have rejected. And the pain is severe. Now the pain intensifies. When you have set before your child the love that Christ has for them, and you have, strived to, you have strived to raise them in the faith, and they reject the truths, 
the very truths that you know are trustworthy and proven, and that pains you greatly. There were those within the church at Corinth that contributed to the ache within Paul's heart, the spiritual father who loved these people as his children. He sensed the responsibility for them, to care for them and to nurture them in the faith. One of the most poignant moments in the life of Jesus is uh, revealed in Matthew 23, 37. And this is a scene where Jesus has resolutely set out toward Jerusalem, knowing what lies ahead for him. Facing the cross, the crucifixion, death, crucifixion. And he says this, and, and we don't know who may have heard his words, but they're recorded for us, and, and they are just powerful in terms of his heart for his people. Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. Basically, the people that have rejected God's love. He goes on, I have off, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects your chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. That's the pain of our Savior's heart for us as his children when we reject him. And certainly it was expressed over the city of Jerusalem. Paul's saying, Corinthians, we have shared with you openly and freely, completely out of love for you. But you are restricted in your own afflictions, affections. Paul is addressing here the narrowness of their capacity to see anything outside their own self-centered world. Thinking more of themselves than giving thought to the great truths that, that the apostle has laid before them. Thinking of themselves more than they think of anyone or anything else. This troubles Paul greatly, and he only has one, uh, I, I guess, recommendation or encouragement for them when he says to them widen your hearts also if all we think about is ourselves our hearts have very little room for anyone or anything else i i this this ability to widen our hearts, I, I want to illustrate with an example of how um, one progresses through life from an infant to an adult. When a child comes into this world, the only thing they want is food, keep me clean, and let me sleep. And they're content with all that which ministers to their specific needs or demands as they enter into this world. But then after a while, they begin to recognize that there are people who um, seem to contribute to meeting this need. And they become dependent upon these people 
who not only now are feeding me and keeping me clean and making certain I get my rest, but they're also expressing an interest in me. And then as this child begins to mature a little bit more in terms of years and experiences with others, he recognizes, hey, this really goes well when it's reciprocal. In other words, as they pay attention to me and I pay attention to them, there, there's something good about that. Something good comes out of that. As they, as they give me what I need and I can give back to them, there, there's a benefit in this. And so he includes these people in his circle or in his heart. And as he does that or she does that, they recognize that, wait a minute, there's something to this. He's able to identify the attributes of caring and giving and loving. And as he matures, he recognizes he is, he is a recipient of being cared for and the fact that someone is giving him what he needs and that they love him, he recognizes that he, in return, can do the same for them. And by doing that, so much is gained out of the, out of the relationship and so it is practiced. Think for a minute. If the church in Corinth took Paul's advice in widening their hearts one toward each other, or better yet, think of it this way. What would happen if we as Christians would widen our hearts one to another? What would happen in terms of relationships with our family or to our neighborhood or to our church or even to our world, if we as Christians truly practice this widening of our hearts, loving and caring and giving. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what Paul was trying to encourage to do, encourage them to do. The, the Corinthians, they, we today, we are not only to be the recipients of all the good things that God has given us, we are also to be the, the benefactors. We are the ones to share with others. As we are blessed, we are to bless others. Just as Paul loved the Corinthians, he also craved their love. He wanted to see their love for one another. He wanted them to love as they had been loved by him. More importantly, he wanted to see them to love as they had been loved for them to recognize how they have been loved by Jesus Christ. If we take again to heart these encouraging words of the apostle to, to widen our hearts, how do we do that? Well, what Paul has been pointing out to the people of Corinth is really the same thing that we have to give mind to. It's all in the gospel. It's all in the teachings and examples of Christ. Everything that we need to do, everything we need to know about how to widen our hearts is found in Christ. I can sum that up for you pretty quickly. For some time ago, I made a list for myself, and I've used this as an example in some other settings, so it may be familiar to, to some of you. But I made a list of my, for myself what I call the one another's. And I want to just close with listings, not the list itself in its full uh, uh, or in an exhaustive manner, but just selecting some of these that would, again, remind us of what it means 
uh, how we go about widening our hearts. I'm not going to, to mention the references of where they're found, but they're words from the Apostle Paul as well as from Jesus himself. And we begin with the words of Christ. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Let the words of Christ in all their riches live in your hearts and make you wise. Use his words to teach and counsel each other. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just in fact, you are doing. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward the love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. And Jesus said, this is my commandment, one another as I have loved you. As Paul encouraged the church of Corinth to widen their hearts, let us take these words of encouragement to our heart. Let us widen our hearts toward one another, to the world around us, so that Christ could be seen in us and in his church.